Not to get too philosophical during the holidays, but I can't help wondering what motivates a grandparent to buy too many presents for their grandchildren. It's not often a question we want to consider every time we pull out our phone to add something to our Amazon shopping cart, but maybe it's worth thinking about. Some people call it being a shopaholic. Others just call it being a grandparent. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And today on The Grand Life, we're talking about the urge to spend on our grands. I do it, you do it, we all do it. Let's try to figure out why, because why we do something is just as important as what we are doing. Kind of a different take on what is the reason for the season. I'll say. Before we start teasing apart our buying habits, there are a couple things we wanted to mention. First of all, Mike and I had the privilege of being on the Cool Grandpa podcast a couple of weeks ago. It was really fun to talk to Greg Payne and to share with him our history of podcasting and also how we grandparent as a team. Speaking of team, he was really very excited to get both a grandfather and a grandmother as guests on his podcast at the same time. Yeah, I don't think that happens very often. So if you'd like to hear more... There's a link for you in the show notes. Head on over to his cool podcast and give it a listen. Since we did a podcast swap with him, we'll also provide a link to our most recent interview with Greg if you haven't had a chance to listen. Also, I wanted to mention that we're going to take a couple of weeks of break for the holidays, and so we're not going to drop any new content for two weeks which gives you a chance to listen to the Cool Grandpa podcast yeah. or maybe some of our back catalog. Uh, if you aren't already a super fan who has listened to all of them already, and in, in fact, those do exist. Yeah, we have some super fans. If you are one, thank you. Don't forget to rate or review our podcast so others can get a sense of what to expect if they listen. And if you are a Facebook kind of person, use that share button on our posts to let others in your Facebook world know about our podcast. We'd appreciate it. Yeah. So in the next five weeks, beginning after our break, we're going to be talking about the five senses, one every week, and how we can leave a legacy through each one. I think it's going to be very fun, and we'd love to have your input. There will be prompts on Facebook asking you about your own sensory memories of your your grandparents and also ways in which you as grandparents create and cement specific memories in your own grand's lives. So get ready for the first one in the next year. We'll start with a sense of smell. What do you remember about your own grandparents when it comes to that? And what do you think your grands will remember about you when it comes to smells? Hopefully those are good smells. Well, you know, there's probably some of both, right? <laughs> and and we'll, we'll take anything. If you have a smelly email that you'd like to leave <laughs> us, it's grandlifeconnection at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave voicemail at 317-572-7876. You know, the other option is that you could comment on either of our Facebook pages. There's the Grand Life and there's also the Grand Life Podcast Fans. That's where our questions will be posted. Okay, now on to the matter at hand. Why do we tend to overbuy? Well, I've got a list, and I have to say it's kind of negative, so I feel a little bad about that. But unfortunately, there probably are more negative reasons why we tend to overbuy than positive ones. Well... 
I mean, I'll take the positive side for okay. once. For once. <laughs> Go for I, it. I mean, I, I think we overbuy because we overflow with affection for our grandchildren and we look for ways to materially express that, especially if we're not close by and we want them to enjoy us and remember us. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe there is the is the lifting up the corner of the wallpaper right there. <laughs> it's because we want them to feel a certain way. We're taking mm. control of their feelings. Now I'm going to stop there because I bet your list points in that direction eventually. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to address this picking at the wallpaper thing. <laughs> okay, so what, where I, did you pick? Where did you come up with that? <laughs> um, well, sweetheart, <laughs> there was this point in time. You, you, you really want me to tell the story? Yeah, sure. There was this point in time when uh, we were doing a lot of interior redecorating and I could not keep up with the demands because (laughs) there was wallpaper and it needed to be replaced and you'd start picking at the corner and pretty soon the wallpaper on that wall would be gone, but not in a clean way. It would be like off in strips and rips and things like that. Oh my gosh, I remember it so clearly because I was nursing babies. I, you know, we had four children and four. And, and what are you going to do? You ha- gonna you're do? sitting still, and there's that corner that's lifted. It's just calling it's, it, for it, me. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty bad, but you were such a good sport. I mean, you you helped take all that wallpaper off. You did all of that. I mean, I just basically was so incapacitated. <laughs> yeah. So I read that as a kind of a prioritization, you know. Yeah. But it was just hard for me to keep up. That's all. <laughs> That's what happens when you get a 1923 home. But anyway, um, okay, so why do we overbuy? I think some negative things are we do it to compensate maybe for gifts we didn't get as kids. Like we feel like we didn't get enough gifts either from our grandparents or our parents. And so this is like a compensation of that. Like I want more. I want them to have that thrill because I didn't have that thrill. That's okay. a possibility. Yeah. Um, you alluded to this, but to please ourselves. So like we have an addiction some kind of emptiness that we're trying to fill by just more and more and more things. And it just makes us feel good. So it's about us. It's not really about our grandchildren, right? Yeah, right. Um, then what about wanting our grandchildren to love us more? And we think that the more we buy, like we're buying their love. And, you know, I think that's legit. I think we can feel that way. And and to kind of fit into that is that we all also might have a little sense of competing with the other sets of grandparents. And I say sets because there's plenty of grandkids out there that have, you know, that are from uh, divorced. The adult kids have been divorced. So there's like six sets of grandparents yeah. or four sets of grandparents or whatever. I think maybe that connects to the feelings you want your grandchildren to have about you. Mm. You feel like you have to compete because otherwise they're... I don't know, their limited uh, quotient of emotion is going to end up going... Going to somewhere else in a different direction. Yeah, because there's only so much of it. Right. Which is, I don't think, correct. It it totally makes sense. But I've had little tinges of that, little feelings, tingles of that sometimes when I find out that one of the other grandparents is buying something that's more expensive or bigger, you know. Makes a bigger splash. Yeah, makes a bigger splash. Um, Also... Proving that we're generous. We want to be known. We want to have a legacy of generosity. Now, that might not be all negative. That might be in some ways positive. You you would want your grandchildren to think of you as generous. But, you know, generosity doesn't only, is not limited to material items. But I think sometimes 
when we get in that mode, we think that is what generosity means. Yeah, the way I look at what you just described is that it's gift giving as a device to accomplish another means. Yeah. And that, I mean, a lot of the things on your list so far sort of fit in that category. Gift giving becomes a means to another end. It's not about the gift and it's not about the giving. It's about the result that the gift giving has. Yeah. I'm generalizing. Keep going. No. The and, and then the, the last thing is maybe to make up for a lack we see in the household we're going to visit, or we, that it, which is the household of our adult kids, which brings up. Oh, my goodness. That, yeah. one, that one unpacks to a lot of different strands. I mean, think about what's happening in the mind of the grandparent. I see something I don't like. I see that there's something missing. I don't approve of the way my adult children are raising their mm -hmm. kids, so mm -hmm. I'm going to intervene, and I'm going to provide something that I think they need, and as a result of what I'm doing, everything will be better. And I think maybe everything gets worse. Yep, watch out. What message can it send then to our adult kids? What does the what is the message we're sending when we start giving things in that vein, like that? Well, first of all, I think it's that they're not enough. Like our adult kids are not enough. They're not doing what we think they should be doing. We feel there's a lack and we have to fill that lack. Um, and also we don't care what they tell us not to do. We just only care about ourselves. I remember when our kids were little, I had a particular kind of problem with plastic toys and I didn't want them in our house. I didn't like the way they sounded. I know that sounds really weird, but I'm kind of into sounds. So I like it really bothered me when they, they hit plastic the toys. The clatter and stuff. of so plastic toys was kind of wooden unnerving. toys, which seemed kind of, I don't know what, a little bit. It's a different kind of clatter. Well, no, no, but I'm saying what, what does that make me? It makes me demanding. I don't know what they would have thought of me at the time. But I mean, if my adult kids say, can you please send us only wooden toys? I'm looking for wooden toys. I'm not going to say, I'm sorry. I don't care about your wooden toys. I like this busy box or I like this or I like that. And well, I'm sending them what I want to send them. You're already liking wooden toys. What if they, what they said to you was, we only want plastic toys. Yeah. I'd get them plastic toys. Yeah. Because for one thing, <laughs> I'm not there having to listen to them. And the other thing is that, you know, I mean, I, I, we've had children ask us not to get things that require batteries. It's expensive. They have to keep replacing the batteries. Um, you know, we've had kids ask us very specific things, and I'm all for it. I'm like, whatever. I had a chance to parent. I did it the way I wanted to do it. Now you get to do it the way you want to do it. So keep that in mind. That's a message to our adult kids if you listen to them, that you value them and that you think they're enough and what they want is enough. What message can overbuying send to our grands? That's another question we have to ask. I know this is all so philosophical, really, but what message does it send to our grands when we overbuy? Well, one, one time it happened in our family. Our children's grandparents overbought, and you've talked about, you know, stuff being shipped in a refrigerator box. Yeah, on another episode back in the day. Yes, it was it was an interesting message. I feel like what they ended up coming away with, our, our kids, was, oh, 
our grandparents are endless sources of refrigerator boxes full of toys. It was kind of a reset, as I remember it. Yes, it was. It established a threshold that, as it turned out, didn't last that many years. Yeah, well, right, <laughs> for for reasons we'll go into a little later. Yeah. But, you know, it it is one of those things I remember they were thrilled and I was horrified because I was like, oh, my goodness, this is just way too much. Um, you know, one of the messages it sends to our grands is that they need more to make them happy. Like more is always better. So they just have to have more and more and more. And that's the only thing that will make them happy, which is kind of interesting because I don't know that there are studies on this or not, but I just know that eventually children get kind of overstimulated by too much. Like if you give them too much by on a Christmas day, they just, you know, they just throwing them to the side and getting to the next one. And I think maybe it's not as fulfilling for them. That's a possibility. Um, and then I think the more important message that it sends to our grands in a negative way is that they might think that gifts are more important than the time you're spending with them. Like that's the priority is gifts, not time spent with them. Um, and, you know, I know that it's hard when you are a long distance grandparent because you don't get to spend as much time, but we still have FaceTime and we still have telephone calls. So those things can help get that message across that they're important, more important than millions of gifts. In the end now, let's think about what it means for us. What does overbuying mean to us? Well, it might mean that we're overspending, like to the point where we're spending our retirement money. People do that, give and give, and then they don't have anything left. I should think it would be uh, a sign there that, you know, if you're coming, if you're if you're pulling money from places that uh, it wasn't put there to buy gifts for eventually, mm -hmm. you know, or if budgeted, you, or if you're pulling it out early, then there's probably some wrong-headed reason that you're doing the giving that you're giving. You need to maybe stop and think about that. Yeah. Um, also, the message that it, what it means for us is that we're not exercising any discipline or self-control. And that's a message that goes back to the grands, that, that it's okay to not have discipline and self-control. They might not recognize it as that when they're younger, but it might affect them in, as they're older. And also... What it means for us is that we're defining ourselves by how much we can give. So what happens when we maybe run out of money and we can't give anymore? And this was the case with my parents where, you know, they were giving, 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 and then all of a sudden lost a business, lost everything, you know, went bankrupt, lost their home, and then they had nothing. They couldn't give anything, and it changed who they felt they were with their grandchildren. It was as if the relationship changed when the gift giving gave out. Which is sad. So when I said earlier that the uh, big boxes arriving from them mm -hmm. set a threshold and sort of uh, set a standard, and then within just a few years, they were not able to kind of keep up with that standard. Right, right. I was talking about it establishing that, that uh, threshold for the kids. Mm. You're talking about um, it becoming a big disappointment to the, grands, to the grandparents themselves. Yeah. I think it was very, very hard for them. Yeah. I know it was. I, I remember having conversations about it. Because, you know, even if you don't go bankrupt or lose everything, how can you keep up with that kind of buying? You know, what if 
your children, your grandchildren get older or you have more and more grandchildren. You can't keep up with that kind of thing. It's, yeah. It gets overwhelming. I mean, they get bigger. And when they're little and they're expecting $100 things of Legos, what are they going to want when they're teenagers? I think I want to try to summarize something, a number of things that, that you've talked about. You've given a lot of good uh, food for thought, food pieces for thought about mm-hmm. why it is that uh, we may as grandparents be overbuying. But if we're doing that, uh, are, how easily are we going to be convinced that you're right and we're wrong? Or how easily are we going to be able to gain control over this thing that may be out of hand? I think both of those speak to how hard it would be to change this behavior if it were something that one of us was doing. And so for me, the thing to really dwell on is the impact that it's having on your grandchildren and potentially, depending on what you're doing and how you're doing it, their whole family, your adult children. There's an impact there that you're, that you're having that uh, may not yield all that easily to, well, I you know, want to get this under control. I shouldn't do it. You may be doing some damage. Yeah, and I think that's true of any addiction. It's, it's an addiction. I mean, overbuying can be an addiction. Yeah. For some of us, it's easier to rein in. And for others, it's almost impossible, like you said. But to think about how it's affecting everybody else is a huge motivation to change. And so let's think a little bit about solutions. Find out what parents, first of all, what the parents want. Keep it simple. What did the parents want you to do? And if the parents are asking you for way more than you want to give, you might have to set up some boundaries and say, I'm sorry, that's just way out of my reach. Or if they're saying keep it simple and you can't, well, you're going to have to start working at that trying to keep it simple. That's hard to do. If there's a little vestige of competitiveness with the other grandparents, oh mm-hmm. man, is that hard. I know. But you know, usually children want gifts. They they want something to open. And this is something to think about too. Um, I know I've, I've talked to millennial kids and they're saying, well, just get, get us a family membership to the zoo. That's very disappointing for a grandparent to hear because they're like, well, I don't want to just give the kid an envelope that says you have a year's subscription to the zoo. Where's the excitement for that? Yeah. <laughs> but what I think we're talking more about doing, we're still buying couples gifts, you know, the couples a gift or we're buying each couple in our family a individual gift and it gets it does add up we're starting to think okay as couples we'll give them a family membership and they're in their 30s now they can deal with the fact that they open an envelope and it says you get a zoo membership it means something to them there is a little bit of that's exciting for them they know they always have a place to take their kids or to a water park or whatever it is so give them the one that's not so sparkly and then give the kids a gift or two that they can open and remember you know, one or two gifts. It doesn't have to be anything huge. It just, they just need something to open, something that means something. That's the other thing that I wanted to talk about is how about meaningful gifts? For example, we were doing that this year. Um, We had some stamp collections that my mom had. We were going through some of my dad's stuff 
and they were uh, children's books and Disney princess things. And I thought, oh, those would be great. So we had them framed and we're going to put a note on the back that talks about where they came from and why their great grandparents bought these and how they've lasted through a family fire and a flood and all sorts of stuff. And that's meaningful. And they will be able to look back on that. Now, that's not the only thing we got them because, you know, a four-year-old opening up a framed print might not be very exciting, but we have a few other things. But we do have that, and that's meaningful. Gee whiz, the zoo membership might be more exciting than opening the framed <laughs> well, I don't know. The, postage stamp. <laughs> yeah, but the framed postage stamps came out so well. They look so cute, and they're very bright, and I think they'll like it. They're cheery. The other thing you can do, and I thought about this, was getting them the books that are represented in the stamps or, the, you know, a, a present that's connected to that. Oh, that's smart. Which I think is fun. Yeah. Um, the other thing is they get older, maybe some of your jewelry or some of the things that you know, like a pocket watch or things that belonged to great-grandparents or grandparents, start giving those away. You can't have them all and you can't take them with you. So start doing that as they get into their, where they can handle that kind of thing as a teenager or something. In addition to something else that they might like, they might enjoy the meaning of that. So think about meaningful gifts. The other thing you might want to do is explore how other people celebrate the holidays and do something a little different, like put a little twist on it. Um, I know someone who celebrates their children celebrating St. Nicholas Day. I mean, there are lots of countries that celebrate St. Nicholas Day, but here in the U.S. they don't often. But she happens to be a wife of a minister. If you are the husband or wife of a minister who's busy on Christmas Day and it's a lonely day for you because they're so busy and your kids kind of lack attention on that day, maybe switch it to another time where you can do something meaningful with them and, you know, make that a special day. If you work in retail. Yeah, right, right. Or you're on call. If you're a doctor, you're on call, switch it up. We did, I know we switched and did Epiphany. We celebrate Epiphany in our family. And it's funny because our daughter just asked our grandkids, what is their favorite tradition? What is their favorite holiday tradition? And they said Epiphany, which surprised me. But the way we celebrated Epiphany with our children, it's always, you want to explain a little bit what Epiphany is? Epiphany is always on the 6th of January. It's thought of as the 12th day of Christmas. Mm -hmm. And it commemorates when the wise men arrived in Bethlehem bearing gifts to the Christ child. Yeah, so when you hear the 12 days of Christmas sung, they're talking about the day, Christmas day on until Epiphany. And um, we would always do three gifts on Epiphany. And it was uh, very simple, and we always had a brunch. Um, it was very, very simple, and it still is quite simple. The, the grandkids get a couple presents, and we go out for brunch, or we have brunch at home. So. They would sometimes ask, why just three? And what was your answer? <laughs> say, well, it's good enough for Jesus. It's good enough for you. <laughs> Which is a little bit cranky, but not wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say it quite like that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I had that. I felt that way sometimes when they were being a little wanting more. And then the other, the other holidays, Hanukkah, you have to give eight gifts. Uh, you know, that's a lot of presents. To every grandchild? To every grandchild. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be 80 gifts, <laughs> even if you only gave them one thing. And um, one friend told me that, no, you don't have to do that. That That's not expected as a grandparent. That's something you do as a parent. Um, one of the things I loved about Hanukkah gifts, one day six, I think, is giving to others. There's kind of like a list of what you do on Hanukkah for what day, and day six is giving to others. So here's an idea that I heard of. Um, 
you know, service or giving to others. So you um, send your grandkid a note and say, um, next time you're with them or whatever, you're going you're gonna to do some service thing together. You're going to work at a food pantry together. You're going to serve a meal together at a mission or something like that. And you're going to do that together. That's your giving to others day. Or you give them um, $20 to spend and $20 to give to somebody else and donate. So you're giving $40, but they're only getting to keep 20 of it. Um, now, some of those things might sound like downers to you, but I think children appreciate that. I think they, they can learn to understand how important that is. So I think it needs to come from someplace. It can't come from nowhere. That is, if you've never talked about acts of charity with your grands, and then a card shows up and says, here's 40 bucks, yeah. 20 of this I want you to, to give to someone else, that might seem weird or, mm -hmm. you know, it might not even get followed depending on your relationship. But if the gift comes from some shared experience or some piece of the legacy that you've already begun to leave about, wow, what a meaningful gift. And I think you can reasonably expect to kind of offset the number or the value of the gifts that you're giving through significance in the way that you're talking about. Yeah, that's a great point. That's, it's all about relationship and modeling and the legacy of generosity. There is something that you're really leaving a legacy if they've seen you do that. And then you say, let's come and participate with me on that. That's huge. So I, I love that. Lots of things to think about as we head into the last week of the holiday season, but honestly, it applies to birthdays, graduations, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, any kind of celebration which involves gift giving. So before you click that buy now button or go to the store with the goal of carrying out lots of bags, consider what and why you're doing what you're doing. And then give your grand a call and tell them how much you love them. Those words are worth way more than the packages you are buying. Don't believe it? Try recalling all the presents your grandparents bought you. Don't be surprised if you can't come up with more than a few. That's the right number for you to buy for your grands. As Mary Poppins said, enough is as good as a feast. I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life. <laughs>